So friends, this, uh, the readings this weekend uh, confront us with the reality that God's logic of things very often differs from mere human logic. That God's way of thinking about things operates on a different, at a different frequency often than our mere human way of thinking about things. The first reading from Isaiah, uh, the Lord says, Isaiah, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Okay, you think at a different level. I don't know if you've ever met somebody that, I don't know, you really like, but they like process and think about things so differently than you that you just can't even like, I, I have a couple people like this and I'm like, I would just, I would pay any amount to get into your mind and see how those neurons are firing because I can't even like try to see the world like you see it, right? That's what I think God's reminding Isaiah of in the first reading and in the gospel today totally shifts our, our perspective. It's like, okay, you're thinking at a human logic level, but um, I, I think at a divine logic level. And sometimes those don't always uh, align. We have that first reading, and then we have um, this incredible gospel, which challenges uh, the human logic of fairness. Right? And fairness is, an, uh, like a standard of justice or fairness, I think you could argue is, is probably our earliest moral intuition. Right? C.S. Lewis points out in uh, Mere Christianity that toddlers have this incredible sense of appealing to a standard of justice that they couldn't have possibly learned, right? They'll say, that's not fair, right? At, you know, two and a half, three, when their sibling gets something that they don't, right? It's not anyone, no one's given them a, a lecture on the, the nature of justice, right? But they have this almost in, intuition of what's fair. I don't know if I've ever told this story about myself. This is a very embarrassing story, but when I was three, uh, three and a half, my sister got to go outside and I did not. And I punched um, through a glass door uh, with both fists and then brought them back through. Um, and you can have to imagine ask, the scars are all the way. So I almost bled to death uh, at three and a half. Um, and so I had a little bit of anger problem. And uh, <laughs> uh, I, I did receive counseling uh, in my teenage years for this. So I've... I'm a little better now. Um, but it was all because I didn't think my sister should get to be outside and I have to stay inside. It was unfair, right, this standard of justice. So this moral intuition, and then Jesus gives us this gospel today when in the parable everyone is given the same wage no matter what time they started working. And I'm like, I don't like this, Jesus. I don't like this parable. Right? Now, I want to clarify I do not think this parable is meant to drive social policy, right? I do not think it's meant to inspire employment law, right? I do not think it's meant to uh, be extrapolated out to serve as the guidelines for the labor union negotiations with the auto workers, okay? Like, I, this is, I, Jesus means this parable spiritually, right? That in God's logic, everything's grace. We have no right. We don't deserve anything. And in God's logic, mercy triumphs over justice. Right? Right? In, 
God, in God's logic, everything is his grace. We don't deserve anything. And in God's logic, mercy triumphs over justice. Right? But that's hard for us because we want justice. Um, I was uh, one of the uh, students in the Catholic Student Association was telling me about a conversation this week. Uh, she was uh, sitting at uh, work. I don't know where she was, but she was sitting somewhere, and uh, she overheard at the table next to her a college student uh, and a uh, what seemed like a staff member at UT having a theological debate. So she stopped studying, of course, to listen in, as I would greatly encourage one to do. And this older gentleman, or this staff member was saying about her Christian faith, I don't understand how you can believe this stuff. And one of the arguments uh, that this person made, he said, um, how unfair that somebody could live a horrible life and repent at the last moment of their life and get the same eternal reward for someone who lived uh, a pristine life the whole way. Right? That's unfair. That doesn't make any sense to me. Right? But you know who it makes sense to? parent. That's who it makes sense to. It doesn't make sense, kind of, from a certain standpoint, but it makes sense to a parent. You know, an estranged child from your family, if they come running back to the family at the very end, you're taking them back just like the other kids. And you're treating them just like the other kids. So yeah, it doesn't make sense from a kind of strictly justice logic Right? But it makes sense to a parent. And God's a parent. And God wants to take somebody back that's been estranged from the family no matter when it happens and give them the same daily wage like the other kids. I might have shared this again three years ago. I'm sharing stories that make me look out to be a monster today <laughs> for some reason. But I, I might have shared this at this gospel three years ago. But when we found out we were adopting... Uh, my brothers when I was 15 uh, my twin brothers and before they got there so before I saw how cute they were and like fell in love with them before that I was a selfish 15 year old and I can't believe I ever asked this but I said to my parents are they going to be in the will for the same amount <laughs> like is I have two other biological siblings is, it, is the will going to be divided five ways? Or are, are us three, you know, we were here first, and we're biological. Uh, I, we should get a bigger share, right? I can't believe I said that, but that's how I thought as a 15-year-old. Now, then I met them. I'm like, they can have all the money. They're so cute, you know? But I remember, I, I remember, and I think even my siblings who were like 14 and 12, they were like, what is wrong with you? Like to me, I mean, I was that, I was that much of a fifteen-year-old monster. Um, this was made before I went through my anger uh, counseling. Uh, but I remember my dad said to me, uh, "Jeremy, there is equal a part of the family as you are." And I remember, I don't know, I just thought that was kind of dumb. Didn't make any sense, but it makes sense to a parent makes sense to a parent. And so to see Jesus' logic in the gospel today as his parental love 
and these incredible principles that in God's logic, everything's grace. We don't deserve anything. If we're, if we're pristine our whole life, it was all God's grace working in us. We can't make any entitlement claim. If we repent at the very end, it's all God's grace working within us. So great, right? It, and in God's logic, justice tri or mercy triumphs over justice. It's not that we don't want justice. We need it as a social good. We need it to run institutions and so on. But mercy is what God uses to rise above justice. And that's what we're called to do spiritually, right? We need justice, again, to operate uh, as a society. But spiritually and interiorly, we're called to embrace mercy. That's what all the, the gospel was last week on forgiveness, right? Forgiveness is not denying the right you have to be angry with someone who has hurt you. It means recognizing injustice. I have a right to be really angry with you and maybe even seek some retaliatory revenge, but I'm going to choose not to by grace. I'm going to choose not to by mercy. I'm going to rise above that, right, in God's logic. And so I want us just to embrace um, God's love as a parent that comes out that to embrace God's logic as much as we can, right, to try and think spiritually as God thinks, the priority of grace and the priority of mercy start to live that way in imitation.